any piece of culture for that is going to be way too uwu bean for you. To what? Uwu. I don't... Uwu. <laughs> the... Uwu, the <laughs> I don't know how else to explain it to you, Stephen. Uwu. U-W-U. Nope. I have no idea what that means. <laughs> Hey, Zach. Hey, Steven. So, Zach, uh, we had to release a an out of time last week, and we got a lot of comments in the Reddit because yeah. uh, we mentioned the dead, the dead man switch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we, we probably should have said something on there or like, um, I actually just consciously took a Twitter hiatus that week, too. So it was <laughs> it was there was just basically no proof that uh, we could be around to you know to podcast so yeah and uh, by the time we saw the comments saying that we were probably dead like we might as well just keep the charade going mm-hmm. we have some follow-up from four weeks ago we have wait okay i've got a, a great story to lead into this okay if i if i may um so this morning i'm traveling around so i don't have my usual like bin of pocket stuff uh it's just like set on the table and so I got up this morning and I got showered and dressed and everything. And then I went to put all my stuff in my pockets and I grabbed my passport and my pen and my chapstick and whatever else I always grab. And then I was halfway out the door and I realized I hadn't grabbed my little fidget thing. It's a little clicky thingama. Um, and I went back and uh, on the table was sitting my fidget thing. But instead of being elongated the way it usually is, it was all folded up which is just how it works. It can be long or folded up. And um, the moral of this story is our neural pathways are so fragile that sometimes if an object is folded, we won't recognize it subconsciously. (laughs) But Stephen, I am assuming you don't have pocket managing trouble like that anymore, do you? I do. Okay, so here's the deal. At some point in the last four weeks, one of those periods of seven days i would i'm not gonna say a week because it didn't really start on sunday but for seven days i had a utility belt oh so i i had a utility belt lying around actually it was made for exercise so it's like elastic and fairly discreet if you put it under a shirt okay and it's a basically an elastic tube that folds down to be tight on your hips so that when you're running or exercising or whatever, it, your stuff isn't bouncing around. Okay. That's what it's made for. But I've never used it for, like, pocket replacement, really. Not for, like, mm-hmm. everyday use. Really only for exercise. So I tried it for a week, and it went pretty well for the first couple of days. It was um, it was really nice to have everything on you and not worry that's going to fall out of your pocket if you're wearing khaki shorts or have it, you know, stab you in the leg if you're wearing jeans. Mm-hmm. But after a few days, I oh, I was I was realizing that it was putting too much pressure on my belt area, on my hips, and uh, you know that region. Yeah, and it was really, really uncomfortable. It was like uh, I don't know how to describe it, but like just imagine a constant pressure on your on your stomach area at all times. Uh, yeah, I've been going through that because my backpack cinches around the waist. Yeah, it's just not comfortable, so- right? Mm -hmm. so i'm glad i gave it a shot but i'm pretty sure every utility belt even if it's not like titan elastic is going to have a similar problem i think i think part of the problem here was that all of the forces going in 
But if you got a normal non-elastic utility belt, the force would be pulling down the same way that your pants do when you have stuff in your pockets. So here, here's what I'm thinking. I don't, I don't think it's going to work because I don't think, I don't think I'm going to be able to ignore the weird looks as much as I would need to if the belt was visible. <sighs> if the belt isn't visible, how are you going to get to the pockets? Well, you lift up your shirt a little bit and get to the pockets. Okay. But if the belt is visible, well, if the belt is resting on the hips and not uh, like a, that elastic laying flat on you, mm-hmm. it's going to be visible. It's going to be a big lump yeah. or it's going to be something else. And I, I just don't think it's going to work out. And But I, I, I you know... I'm still open to it, but I don't think I'm going to spend the money to buy a fancy utility belt and have to get rid of it because I can't stand the social pressures, basically. Okay. If it is social pressures you're worried about, I would like to report from Europe that um, fanny packs are very much a thing, and fanny packs across the chest, like a bandolier, definitely a thing. So you don't need to worry about social pressures for that. Just tell them that that's what they do in Europe, and everyone will go, hmm, okay, like reasonable humans. Well, here's the thing, Zach. The... <laughs> when someone gives you a weird look, they don't want to talk to you enough to for you to explain it shout it across the plaza <laughs> they do make eye Europe. contact with them <laughs> shut up i can see you looking <laughs> just like that yeah listen i like to my everyday outfit regardless of the activity is uh yeah i have a color shirt minimum basically mm-hmm. if you're going out and doing something for errands you're wearing a collar shirt or, or something similar and it's my style is very traditional okay and i don't think it'll mesh well with a oversized utility belt not even oversized just a normal size utility belt and i don't think it's what i want i think i'm gonna have to find a different solution and or deal with pockets there are people here with button downs and fanny packs across their chests when that style migrates from europe to america then we'll talk but so far it hasn't so that you don't have to shout it, you can just get it embroidered on the fanny pack. <laughs> this is how they wear fanny packs in Europe. Or uh, something that goes great with a button-down shirt, a vest. You get a fishing vest and... No. <laughs> Those have pockets. Agreed, but they... I would sooner wear a fanny pack than a fishing vest. Do they make herringbone fishing vests? Uh... The answer is yes. <laughs> oh, wait, no. There's only two pockets there. That's not enough pockets. I might try backpacks again. I think mm-hmm. that might be a good solution. I might have to find a different backpack, but I think backpacks are not a bad idea. I'm, I'm trying to engineer in my head a backpack that you can like pull in front of you and grab your phone out of and then just put it back on your back. It's usually not a problem. I, I get, I really can function without my phone for long periods of time. Okay. Especially if the phone is within Bluetooth range. Mm-hmm. The issue with backpacks mostly is that a, a one that one that's small enough for everyday use might not be big enough for uh, special use. I guess. So let, let's say I need to. Basically, I don't want to carry two backpacks. Okay. And if I, let's say I'm going to class, right? Mm-hmm. My backpack is going to need to be able to carry a laptop, a notebook, and maybe a textbook and some pens. Yep. 
a backpack that's big enough to hold all that isn't going to be small enough for going to Target or whatever. Ah, uh, okay, I see. So I'm either going to have to keep transferring all my stuff around, or two. Two is one. One is none. Three is yeah. good for having in two different backpacks. <laughs> it's an option, but like I don't want to have to buy a you know three laptops. I I have one. <laughs> <laughs> Do you need your laptop at Target? That's a good point. The idea of it is stands though. It, I'm either going to have to buy duplicates of a few things at least. So maybe I'm also going to, have to find a backpack that will be a good everyday backpack. Okay, I think I'll I'll talk to you off the air about that. Okay, we got secret backpacks. Or wait, oh, did you say everyday like school everyday? No, I have lots of backpacks that are good for school. Okay, but not, so you mean not like Target. a go to Target backpack? I need go to Target backpacks. Okay, yeah, then secret backpacks indeed. Okay, I, <laughs> oh, I I'm nervous now. <laughs> Alright. Speaking of things that make Steven nervous. God. <laughs> <laughs> Not what I was gonna say. <laughs> okay. So, folks, we've got the return of our Hidden Treasures segment. Uh, I am traveling Europe, and one thing that I kind of knew about but didn't really expect was the quantity of gorgeous cathedrals that there are in Europe, just all over. All over. So can I recommend to you cathedrals? Whether you want to pray, listen to cool organ music, meditate, or just kind of squint at, uh, you know, like a representation of Jesus, cathedrals, especially European cathedrals, are just the thing for you. Or Starbucks. You can get most of that in Starbucks as well. Can you squint at Jesus in Starbucks? I guess I don't really need cathedrals then. (laughs) You... You can definitely get a picture of Jesus on the free Wi-Fi that Starbucks gives you. Mm, it's got to be a Jesus statue. Or oh, like okay. A... I see. Yeah. You can bring your own. Put it in your backpack. <laughs> All right. Uh, then I retract that. Can I recommend to you Starbucks? Whether you want to pray, listen to cool organ music, meditate, or just squint at Jesus, Starbucks, especially European Starbucks, is just this coffee shop for you. So, Stephen, I'm going to paint you a picture. I'm sitting in a Starbucks. I have pulled out my Jesus statuette from my backpack. It's sitting on the uh, on the little coffee table next to me, and I'm squinting at it, and also like kind of listening to organ music in my headphones, but it's mostly the squinting. And I realize I'm very thirsty, and I go up to get some coffee. And I drink the coffee at Starbucks, but it doesn't satisfy me the way that something else would. But I don't know what it is. What What is it that I need? That uh. Zach, it's okay. You need some cold syrup. <laughs> I need to sip some cold syrup. And once you do that, you can log it in another water tracker and buy an iPhone as well. <laughs> so I got some big news with another water tracker. Uh, so... What's going on? Another water tracker, the best water tracker currently completely free and without ads on the iOS app store, is getting a major update in the fall. At least I hope Great. so. I hope so. What What is the update? So. Can we get a sneak preview? Yes. So. Exclusive to this podcast. Sort of. Until it's not. Well, the sneak preview is. Yeah, right. Um, until Unless I post about it on Twitter before I release this podcast. <laughs> and another podcast talks about it. 
Otherwise, it's still exclusive to this podcast. Okay, yeah, right, right. So, uh, Siri shortcuts will be coming to the app. Ooh. You'll be able to tell Siri that you drank 12 ounces of water, and it'll get logged into the app, no problem. And if you want to be, you'll also be prompted by Siri to log water. So if it works, it'll learn when you trip, typically drink water. Uh, maybe you have a glass with a lunch or whatever, and it'll recommend that you log it. That's really cool and something I wish any app on Android would do. So here's why this is a pain in the butt. <laughs> this has uh, been quite an experience because the documentation on SiriKit says that it'll be easiest if all your backend code is in a separate framework. It's in a separate... I'm just trying to parse out what that sentence means because I don't actually know anything about building software. So you got your front-end code and your back-end code. Your front-end code is like... Uh, when you lo- finish, when you reach your goal, the little um, alert comes up and it says congratulations, and it gives you a little um, congratulatory haptic tap. Mm-hmm. Uh, backend code is going to be stuff like storing on the on the physical media of the actual device the water that you logged. Right? It's like you logged twelve ounces of water uh, on Thursday, July. 15th that's not a date this year um (laughs) at 12 a.m and your goal for today is this your blah 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 all that information is all back-end code um all the stuff that like when you first launch the app it tells you how much water you've logged today uh that displaying the label displaying that number is front-end code but going to figure out what that label is or what the number should be is all backend code and so ideally the front end code should just say hey backend code what number do i display here exactly so i i'm moving all well i have moved all of the backend code into a separate framework so and that means that means that the it's a module i guess that you could pull out and stick into another app very easily okay so you could make a skin essentially for the water tracker makes sense yeah so the difficult part wasn't that actually it was actually that only took me like an afternoon but some of so now the separate framework doesn't seem to be able to access the uh, they're called user defaults which is a way to store data without it getting lost in whenever the app closes oh yeah it's made for like preferences i guess Uh uh-huh but I probably shouldn't have been using those to begin with because it's really not made for that. It's not made for, like, he logged this much water at this time on the state. No, it is not. Uh, But to be fair, I didn't know any better at the time, and it worked just fine. Yeah. (laughs) So now I'm trying to switch from using user defaults to core data, which is a different framework that Apple gives you. And it's really complicated because it's way more powerful and way more powerful than what the water tracker needs, really. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I'm working on that, and all of this is happening, and I still haven't even started implementing the actual shortcuts. Oh. So the goal is to get it out by fall, but that might be, like, late fall. Yeah, that's (laughs) still fall. Yeah, or, like, really cold fall in the winter. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So can Swift compile to C? I don't know. Because if you could, it would make the reality of another water tracker android app that much nearer <laughs> i could just use all your backend code i suppose yeah you could i i don't think you particularly want to use all my backend code because it's made for <laughs> iphones 
well, but a lot of the the math stuff is still the same. Oh yeah, converting ounces to milliliters. You really want all that math in there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's <laughs> important stuff. We got to make sure that the floats are precisely floated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it would be easier just to write your own Zach. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm excited. I'm excited for me to get my iPhone and then start using Siri and then use Siri with another water tracker. I'm excited too, and I I hope it works well. I am really hoping that it doesn't um, fall short of my expectations. Siri, that is, like, I'm going to do everything Uh right. I'm going to make sure it is as... Everything is within its guidelines to make sure that Siri is as useful as possible, and I hope it works well. Yeah. So, you know, I suppose that's one more reason for me to want to switch sides. But for every argument you have to me that I should switch sides from Android to iPhone, I say, but Steven, the emails. Okay, what about your emails, Zach? Uh, My emails are fine, but a lot of times uh, when people don't want to switch sides, they complain about the emails from, uh, oh God, which is which in in this convoluted analogy. Now I lost my train of thought. Should I even emails? Um, Hillary wanted to use her BlackBerry, so she set up a weird email server in her basement, and they uh, and it got hacked by Russians, and they just got indicted. Okay, so there's the short synopsis. If you want more information about it, go turn on CNN. I guess I don't know. You know, whatever. It, it is on every media outlet, and I cannot avoid it. It's really annoying. So, so I, all I heard was something got hacked. Here's some information about it for IT people. And also it was Russian. Okay. And I said, hey, Stephen, do you want to explain to me this IT people security thing? No, I really don't. It's so boring, Zach. I can't even tell you how boring the actual... I can tell you. I'm going to tell you how boring the actual um, hacking was. I could hear the quotation marks in your voice. Yeah, I was hoping so. (laughs) So this wasn't sophisticated. It wasn't resource intensive. It was... So to get into this email server that Hillary Clinton was using during the 2016 presidential election, or right before it or whatever, there was a someone that for a long time we suspected was Russian and sponsored by the Russian government, uh... They sent a spear phishing email to one of the employees, one of the people who had access to the email server. So Mm -hmm. all that that means is that they sent them an email specifically to them saying, hey, if you click on this link, uh, we'll do something, you know, Uh, you can open this PDF or... Hey, it's your boss and I need you to review this document for me. Click here. Yeah, exactly. And so someone had this happen to them and... They clicked it, they entered in a password, and the Ru- the Russians got access to the email server. Okay, wow, that's really... Would you like to hear more? Uh, is there more to hear? No, there's not! Oh. The only other thing that was, like, in the indictment of any significance at all was that when they were posting the leaked documents, uh, they used a VPN to mask their identities and they claim to be a single romanian hacker when it really it was a team of russian hackers mm. and the the vpn i think sounded like was the 
one of the starts of the unraveling because the VPN was a Russian VPN and everybody was like, if you're Romanian, why are you using this Russian VPN? And they were like, I can't do a Russian accent. I'm not even going to try. <laughs> but uh, in a Russian accent, oh, no, I'm Romanian. Yeah, that was pretty much that was it. It's really boring. I was I, I'm not interested in the story or I'm not I'm not interested in the IT aspect. It was just uh, so Steven is the resident security guy. What are your five quick tips to people to make sure they don't get hacked just like these emails did? Don't click on links. Uh, set up spam filtering. Uh, I don't know, man. It. Wow, great. What a crazy story. <laughs> uh, use PGP. <laughs> sure, yeah, okay, we can go with that. That's three. Uh, d- don't, don't click on links in your emails. Oh, yeah. Also, turn off... Um loading remote content on emails Mm -hmm. like this that wasn't part of the hack but it probably could have been pretty easily if the first attempt didn't work because what they'll do is um they can set up uh, basically a link forwarding service and so you'll have an image that you might want to display so you're getting an email from google and the google logo is at the top and if you load the google logo it won't go directly to the google logo it'll go to a russian server where they'll inject some malware or whatever and then that'll forward on to the google logo and when the google logo comes back to you it'll be laced with malware that would be 10 times more interesting if they did that but they didn't okay well you heard it here probably not first because we've said it so many times (laughs) don't don't be emails awful and don't do it just turn off email Keep updating things, too. That's probably just a good blanket policy yeah, while right. we're standing on our soapbox. I'm stepping down from the soapbox. I don't like it. Yeah, me too. It's it's really small. It looks like a hefty bar of soap came out of there, though. But still, like a large soap bar is a pretty small box for a person to stand on. Mm-hmm. And that's why that's a not great term. Because <laughs> the metaphor doesn't really work anymore. Yeah. I, <laughs> I have never seen anyone standing on a soapbox I don't think I've ever seen a soapbox. Really? With, I mean, not with more than one bar of soap in it. Oh, oh yeah. Maybe it's like a, it's like a big Amazon shipment of Dove bars. Yeah. That's what I was, that's what I always assumed it meant, but I, but I've never seen one of those and I don't think I've ever, I've definitely never seen one standing on one. Okay. No, I was thinking like a, a Dove, a single Dove bar size soapbox. Yeah. I don't think that would work very well for getting people's attention. I agree. Another term that is, I suppose this one is accurate, but it's not a good term, if you ask me, is uh, the Dairy Business Innovation Act. Another uh, wonderful dairy-related act out of uh, the offices of Tammy Baldwin. Unfortunately, whichever cool intern coined Dairy Pride is gone now, or at least wasn't allowed to be involved in this project. (laughs) But it it sets out to solve a problem that Canada created by selling us cheap milk. Uh, We have too much milk. These are some interesting times to be talking about milk politics. Yeah, but one way that we know to combat a surplus of a thing is to make more businesses use that thing. For example, for milk, (laughs) uh, you could make more cheese companies, more milk bottlers, or more ice cream companies. Right. And that's what the Dairy Business Innovation Act is trying to do. It's trying to uh, start up those kinds of companies, any companies that uh, utilize dairy in making their final product uh will get a 
uh, will have an opportunity to get a government grant or some government assistance of some sort. If this... Uh, so any new businesses or any old businesses as well? Existing and new. Okay. But that is if this bill ever, like, gets put into place. Uh, currently, it hasn't even made it to committee. Hmm. All right. But I want to know, um, it, it also has options for businesses that are innovating in the dairy product realm. So, Stephen, what innovative dairy product are you going to make to cash in on this lucrative new government grant? Okay, hear me out. Okay. You know those, um, uh, they're like, it, it, it's gum. It, it, it's uh, those little cubes of gum that you can get in the containers, the squarish containers. No. They're like, cubes of I gum. forget what you call gum company. It's, they're like called ice cubes or something. There's, they're cubes of gum. Okay. That, so a container like that. Mm-hmm. So a, a, um, truncated rectangle, I guess. Could it also work in a cylinder? Right now I'm picturing a cylinder. Okay, yeah, a cylinder with corners. <laughs> what? Okay, it's a it's a rectangular prism. Yeah. And on the bottom, it truncates in. Not to a point, but to a it smaller like base than the top. It rounds off? Or it just, like, you cut out the middle of a cone? Um, or a pyramid? The middle of a pyramid? You cut off the top of a pyramid. And flipped it upside down? Yes. And stuck it to the bottom of a cube? You can probably forget the cube at that point. Okay, I I think I see what you mean. Okay, I, I'll put this I'll put this in the show notes. Thank it'll you. be uh it'll be on the um if you're using any real podcast app, uh you'll see the uh, art change the album art. Mm-hmm. One of those full of cubes of dehydrated milk. Okay, okay, because we've all been in the situation where you want milk but are in a situation that you can't leave like in a business meeting in a in a lecture in uh you're at dinner with your friends you can't go out and buy milk and you just need milk but you have a craving zach you want Mm -hmm. it you want milk you can take this out of your pocket just like you would with the or your backpack i suppose your secret backpack (laughs) uh take it out of your backpack uh flip it open pop a cube of milk in your mouth oh god dehydrated milk (laughs) okay i'm listening i'm following yep we've all been in that situation so (laughs) where you're so desperate that you just put some dry milk in your mouth and think about it zach we could make it in all sorts of different flavors you could have chocolate milk strawberry milk banana milk cubes i was thinking that you would like get a glass of water and drink half of it and then put the milk cube in but it's just like for eating it's an option. You totally could do that. But if for uh, direct uh, cow to mouth. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Does it come in uh, raw milk? I think it, I think it could, actually, because I think if you dehydrate it, then um, you get a lot of the stuff that can kill you out. Okay. So you could make a raw, you can make an unpasteurized version for the hippies. <laughs> What's the texture you're envisioning right now? Because I'm fluctuating um, between, between like, crunchy and just a powder, like cotton candy almost. You put it in your mouth and it just oozes. Oh, yeah. That would probably be accurate. However, I was thinking, like, astronaut ice cream. Oh, okay, yeah. Which is known for being delicious, of course. <laughs> I'm on board. I, I will be your first funder. <laughs> and the government will be your second. What's your innovative idea for uh, milk? Okay, hear me out. We've got ethanol-based fuel. 
Oh my goodness. I love it. I love it already. Cows eat corn. Yep. So a cow-based fuel is just one level better because it's a step up the food chain from corn. Right. That's how it works. You want more processing. You want more processing when you are getting energy out of something. Yes. So milk fuel. So so you're going to milk a cow and fill your car up with it. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Is that pasteurized or not? Well, it it can't just be straight like milk the cow it's got to be you take the milk to some facility because the facility is the thing that gets um i think you're dreaming very small zach i think that a cow to tank process is the ultimate goal in this scenario but i think the first step would be you need a business that's able to just convert milk into fuel that somewhere could sell and just put into a normal car and the next step is getting milk-based engines hmm that's a fantastic idea. <laughs> so milk is basic. Okay. As far as chemistry. So I think we should make a company that buys milk in order to treat uh, chemical burns. <laughs> is that how chemical burns work? I'm not sure. <laughs> is, it just as- is it just acid? I hope it's just acid. I don't know anything about <laughs> chemistry. I feel like the thing, the, the problem with that is that a chemical burn happens if it is acid. What happens is it meets bits of your skin that are basic and then they turn yeah. into water. And so then the acid and the base, base is gone. So you need to get a layer of milk shielding on people. <laughs> oh my God, that's even better. <laughs> uh, a milk-based hazmat suit. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, so if you're working with dangerous acids, you can just wear this suit of milk and you'll be fine. Well, there we go. Okay. Uh, And that way we can get some, um, not just uh, milk subsidies, but some medical subsidies as well. Yeah, some like OSHA. Yeah. It's all about the subsidies. While I was researching that, I was just clicking around on other things that Tammy Baldwin has done recently, and she uh, voted yes on... Uh, putting some guy, I didn't write down his name anywhere, uh, in to be the American Assistant Secretary for Terrorist Financing, (laughs) which is a real (laughs) office that is a part of the United States Treasury. (laughs) They need, like, three more drafts, at least. (laughs) So before you freak out, understand two things about this office. One... They're bad at naming. And two, they actually finance counterterrorism. Yep, that makes <laughs> sense. I guess it depends on whose perspective you're talking about, Zach. From our perspective, it's counterterrorism. From the terrorist's perspective, it's terrorism. I think, I don't know what the delineation is, but I feel like once you get up to the level of terrorist, you're aware that your views are extreme. Whereas we are not aware that our views are extreme. It's all relative, though, Zach. Like, who are you talking about? So, is there more about this office? That no, you I just found out? I saw that we had an assistant secretary for terrorist financing and needed to make sure that they, it wasn't like a hiding in plain sight <laughs> thing. That's so good. Oh god, um, that's, I guarantee it's the basis of some conspiracy theory. Absolutely, it's not like it's a thing that the United States has never done. Oh, we've never funded extremist groups ever. Well, it depends on who you ask, right? Uh, okay, but if you ask the people who funded them and also the people now, we're in agreement. Maybe the people themselves, the extremist groups themselves don't think they're extremist, but the people financing them did. But they just thought they were less communist, usually. 
I don't know much about U.S. history. Please correct me if I'm wrong. I, mm, I don't feel qualified to do that. Someone in the Reddit will probably. Would you say, Zach, that it's immoral to fund terrorist groups? Yes, but I'm not going to try <laughs> to convince you of that. This is a transition. I know. I'm, I'm, I am aware, Stephen. I have eyes. I can read the document. Okay. Well, Zach. Oh, shoot. I missed the joke. Wow. I am dense. Let's try that again. <laughs> well, yeah, obviously you wouldn't because you're a very moral person. Mm. Uh, and as we all know, rhetoric, uh, trying to convince people of things, is immoral. Uh... Hmm. I made a YouTube video. You should watch it. It. I'm really bad at reading scripts. <laughs> I did a lot more research than what made it into this video. Okay. Because I was just interested in rhetoric as a concept because of our mm-hmm. book club. And... I just I wasn't sure what I wanted to do with all the research until I found something about identification in rhetoric. Ah, that was at that point I knew like, oh, this sound, this is a weird thing to say. It's kind of clickbaity, I guess. Yeah, it's clickbaity, but it delivers on the thesis still. Yeah, outlandishly, but it still delivers. <laughs> it was it was really fun to make because I got to you know argue a interesting point. Mm-hmm. I guess it was um. It was fun to make after I got the recording done, because, like I said, I'm really bad at reading scripts. I don't know why. It's just uh, really, I'm not good at reading words off a screen. Is the issue, like, making it sound human while you're reading? Yeah, and I, you know, I had this image in my head, right, of what this is supposed to sound like. Not an image, but <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean. I I had this idea of in my head what this is supposed to be, and it just wasn't quite matching up. And, you know, it's partly because I don't know what my voice sounds like on a recording like i do kind of but it's not the same as i, I can't reproduce it in my head mm-hmm. D- did you not edit this by doing the gray method of just reading it aloud until you caught on a word that didn't flow no i think it fl- it flowed well enough i just am bad at reading it i forgot what the next word is oh, or whatever okay. it was i think that means you need to rehearse it more maybe which sounds weird, because you have the script right in front of you. Yeah, no, it it makes sense, and that, I did take a lot of takes on it. It was just, um, the way I thought about it was that the more takes I take, the worse I am at this. Hmm. Because it, in a perfect world where I can pump out content uh, 24-7, I can just have a script and say the whole thing into a mic first try in exactly the way that I thought I would. Okay. That isn't what happened. No. This was also, if I'm not mistaken, your first time doing this kind of thing. Yes, pretty much. There was also a pressure to get it out as fast as possible because I felt myself losing interest. Okay, yeah. So if I didn't get it done in the next week, I was probably not going to get it out Mm -hmm. at all. (laughs) Which is not probably a good thing and something we can talk about at some later podcast. Yeah, but I, I know what you mean, that there's that time pressure and you you wish you had just done it right the first time and now you're on the extra go. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm going to link to the video in the show notes. If you are at all interested in why rhetoric is immoral, then mm-hmm. check it out. I wanna I want to mention that I did play a part in... Oh my god, In yeah. this, uh, <laughs> Stephen originally had, like, the eggshell white background you would find on some... It was a pastel Pastel yellow. yellow, okay. Stephen originally had a pastel yellow background that 
I looked at and immediately thought I was looking at some professor's website from the 1990s that had stuck around to modern day. <laughs> like, I bet if I go to Donald Newth's website right now. <laughs> he's from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Good to know. Donald Newth's homepage. Here we go. Donald Newth's homepage. Yes, it's that exact color. Okay, so I disagree. I just, well, okay, I agree that's the same color. <laughs> However, I disagree that it's bad. And if I, if I didn't trust your opinion about it more than my own, it would still be there. Okay. I don't know how far you should trust my opinion, but I'm glad that you do. <laughs> it wasn't like harsh to look at or anything. No, you're right. But it didn't look grown up is the best way that I have to explain it. And it's not great, but. All right. I understand that. So I suppose go check out Donald Newth's homepage and picture that. Uh, <laughs> go like watch Steven's video through once with the black background and then once with the, the color of Donald Newth's uh, homepage, just like in your head, remember that color and then put it in. Imagine that the whole video is that color and tell us which one's better. In the Reddit. And now, a PSA from the Worrying Bugs. The Professional Squash Association, or PSA, governs the rules and regulations of professional squash. Squash is a game, similar to handball except with rackets. Handball, for those wondering, is similar to squash, except it is played with the hands. This has been a PSA from the Worrying Bugs. What do you want to know about my side project? You just have so many of them. I mean, yeah, I have to. I have a list of all the code names just so I can keep them. Straight. Okay, yeah, that was actually part of my question. Is there like, do you just have a roll of butcher paper laid out on a table somewhere with a big master plan of all of the different media Stephen is producing this week, <laughs> or are you just throwing things at the wall to see what sticks? Because I've, I think in the last two weeks I've seen a researched video, a game video, an article. There was something else, and um. And now you'll be working on this podcast, and I I want to know how you do it. Okay. Well, here's the thing, Zach. I am working a summer job mm -hmm. for the man, as they say. As they do say. And I'm bored. <laughs> I'm really bored. It's, it's not a fun job, mm -hmm. per se, and it, it doesn't really have the potential to, like, just make it fun, right? Yeah. Which is fine. I'm totally comfortable doing it. However, I do have a lot of, like, thoughts throughout the day, right? Of, like, uh, yeah. I have ideas because there's, there's nothing else to occupy myself. Mm -hmm. So when I have that idea, I get, you know, like, I get excited about it and I want to put it into motion and I just, you know, go out and do it. Because when I get home, I don't have, like, homework or anything. It's a, you know, nine to five-ish mm -hmm. kind of thing. It's, I wish it was nine to five. It's, the hours are so much worse. Um but yeah, my, my main like quarrel at the moment is that I don't have enough time for all the projects I want to go through. Um, let's see, currently in the works, we got one, two, three, four, five, six, let's say probably seven that I could say I'm actively working on. Wow. Um, and you know, it's whatever I feel like doing that day. And none of them really have like a schedule or a deadline besides worrying bugs, mm. so... It's just a way to keep myself entertained while uh, doing summer jobs, basically. Yeah. Have you tried gamifying the summer job? Yes, and it did not work very well. I might be doing it poorly, but I 
I'm okay. Like I'm not I'm not bored to the point where I want to not do the job anymore. Mm-hmm. Mostly, I just want to say that I appreciate that now you're doing enough stuff, you're producing enough stuff every week that I don't need to even try to engage with all of it. (laughs) I disagree. (laughs) I think I'm not putting out nearly that much content. I watching someone else silently play Euro Truck Simulator is not my. Okay, fair enough. You don't, you definitely, no one, zero people on this <laughs> podcast have, zero people in general have to watch that video. But, like, you, you did engage with it. You left a comment saying, uh, thanks for the thanks warning. Thanks for telling me I don't actually need to engage. Yeah, I'm having fun over the summer, and that is why I am putting out more content, because you know what? It's fun to make stuff. <laughs> and I, I just want to reiterate to folks that I am the exception, that they all should be engaging with everything you do. Oh, yeah, no, Zach is a very busy person. You all are not that busy. <laughs> yeah, um, and that's why you should be engaging with Steven's, all of Steven's stuff, even if I don't. Uh, one of the things that I'm very busy with is I just made my own video. I released the July vlog barely under the deadline that i set for myself on the podcast a while ago of only ever a year late (laughs) (laughs) it was pretty good i liked it um uh, zach is zach is mad at me or was mad at me at some point at least um my i i requested to him that he uh censor my face i guess Mm mm-hmm and he took it upon himself to <laughs> rotoscope my face and replace it with a strawberry. Uh, the the rotoscoping was actually not your face. Face tracking was pretty automated. The rotoscoping was making sure that when you flung your hand in front of your face or uh, one of our friend's hair went in front of your face, that the the layers were preserved and the strawberry stayed behind the hand or the hair, but in front of your face still. <laughs> so Zach was very gracious with my request. And it was a fun it was a fun challenge and something I hadn't really done to that degree before. So everyone go watch Zach's vlog to see how impressive his After Effects abilities are. So Zach, our side projects, uh the vlogs, the Euro truck, the uh scripted videos, mm-hmm. it's all very nerdy. Yeah. This podcast is a is a nerdy podcast. Very, yeah. And I think that that stems from the two of us being nerds. Yeah, that's what I was getting at. Do you want to like what what is what is a nerd to you? Um, to me, a nerd is someone who flings themselves at something wholeheartedly, who throws themselves into some universe or some system or some subset of knowledge. Okay, that's a pretty good description. And uh unabashedly i guess would be another caveat like they're not ashamed of it i feel like you don't fling abashedly no you're right but like if someone says to you like zach it's i mean don't you think it's kind of weird to be so interested (laughs) in milk politics what are you gonna say to them absolutely exactly But yeah. you like it anyway, right? It's not like it's, um, yeah, so... I do not hide my milk politic affinity. <laughs> I want to talk about an article that I uh, discovered listening to Dubai Friday, another podcast. Um, it's, a, it's from mm. 2007. 
but I don't think 11 years have made it any less uh, true or relevant. Yeah, no. Um, and I think it made it, I feel like it made me realize a few things about myself that maybe I should have known, but it pointed it out. It's called The Nerd Handbook, which is mm-hmm. just a terrible title because it's not that at all. It's uh, It's written as a handbook for understanding your significant other if they are a nerd. I think... Yeah, okay. A lot of it does. It is for the significant other. So it's pretty extensive. Uh, but just reading it and thinking about myself, I thought it made a lot yeah. of sense. Yeah, I think uh, maybe the the archetype that they set up in there applied less to me than the you that exists in my head. The me? Uh, not Maybe not you, but the you that I have an idea of in my own head. I, I would read okay. it and think, hmm, that's like Steven. But maybe it isn't actually like Steven. <laughs> but I, I do think a lot of it still does. I'm not as heavily archetypal as what they draw out, but I am I'm still somewhere in the category that they define. Okay. Uh, I have a lot to say about it, actually. I wrote a good chunk, a few paragraphs for each of the Holy cow. headers that they have. Yeah, I mean, I read it a lot. I threw myself at this. Uh, I flung myself at this article. The outline of the article goes, Understanding your nerd's relationship to the computer. Your nerd has control issues. Your nerd has built himself a cave. Your nerd loves toys and puzzles. Nerds are effing funny. Your nerd has an amazing appetite for information. Your nerd has built an annoyingly efficient relevancy engine in his head. Your nerd might come off as not liking people. And then there's, like, some how to deal Mm. with that, basically. They call it advanced nerd tweakage. Uh, map the things he's bad at to the things he loves, make it a project, and people are the most interesting content out there. And then the final like conclusion is called The Next High. I just want to say that most of the time as I was reading through this, I I only read it through once. I didn't pour over it like Stephen did, but um, I, I would read through it and I would think, hmm, that's not accurate, entirely ignoring the fact that the last three or four things were accurate. Um, so I think I, I was... Really <laughs> trying hard to find the things that weren't true because I didn't want to front uh, confront the things that were. I see. But yeah, let's just go by heading by heading. Right. Understanding your nerd's relationship to the computer. Uh, here's the truth of mine. <laughs> I legitimately didn't understand that a lot of people had no interest in how a computer worked for a long time. Like I didn't understand how it could be that oh, they had yeah. no interest in it. Yeah. I hmm. Now I'm trying to remember back. I definitely had times when I couldn't understand why other people weren't as interested in the thing that I was interested in as I was. <laughs> like, I remember trying so hard to convince my dad to play Spore with me. For, and he was like, Zach, I don't <laughs> want to play this game. So we sat down and played like half an hour of it. And I was like, isn't it so fun? And he was like, well, I could go mow the lawn or something. <laughs> uh, I mean, to me, it was always like the gears inside of a mechanical watch. Like, I didn't need to know how many teeth each of the gears had, but I did need to understand this the basics so that a battery vibrated a piece of quartz and the gears counted until the, mm-hmm. a second ticked by. And that's, I mean, my first experience with a computer was this cream-colored tower running yeah. XP, I think. And at some point I looked inside the case and expected to see the largest system of gears and moving parts <laughs> I've ever seen. <laughs> and obviously nothing was moving, yeah. maybe a fan or something. So, so I had to know more about this. Like, this is a thing that seems to be moving, but it's not. Um, and I didn't find out very much because the the that specific computer didn't have any way to connect to the internet. 
And uh, if I wanted to know something, I had to read a book or ask an adult, and there weren't books mm-hmm. on computers, really. But eventually, I did figure all that out, and um, electricity is cool, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, I, I mean, I've had a relationship with a computer for a very long time, and it's always been fairly important. Like that Spike Jones movie. Sure, I don't know what you're talking about. The one where he had a relationship with his computer. Oh, (laughs) not quite that extreme. I agree with you that computers played a big part in both of our lives, and that does define us as nerds in in the heads of many people. But I think really the thing with nerds, which this article doesn't touch on or it touches on, but in the reverse, is that nerds see things as systems. And the byproduct of that is that they are interested in their computers. Oh, interesting. You think the cause and effect got mixed up. I think so. Because I think there are nerds who don't really care about computers, but they would love to know how RNA transmits from one half of the cell to the other. Just and in the same way that I don't really need to know more than the surface level of that system, they don't need to know more than I click on a thing and it goes. Right. Okay, I'm going to keep that in mind. Uh, The next section is your nerd has control issues. And I love the typeface analogy in this section. Yeah, that's good. What is the, for the the listeners, what is the typeface analogy? It's like um, nerds are a monospace font. It's uh, consistent. Every letter is the same amount of space as every other letter. Uh, You can write something and it can make a grid, basically. And... Other people are a non-monospace font. Uh, they the the capital W is bigger than a comma. I was about to say Comic Sans, but isn't Comic Sans monospace? I think it is actually. <laughs> <laughs> That's the kind of nerd I am. I'm a Comic Sans nerd. <laughs> but um, we like monospace fonts, or we are a monospace font because it is easy to make into a system, basically, mm-hmm. and. That's one thing I knew about myself before reading the article, but never really thought about. And it was that I love systems in every way you can think about systems. I love systems. I love like games based on systems. Uh, I love having systems in my life or things. I have a list in a text file, whether or not to throw things away. And it's a systematic approach to throwing something away. I firmly believe that if something goes wrong, it's a problem with the system. Okay. Yeah. And getting back to the header control issues seem to be the easiest way to have more systems and better systems hmm uh i the the specific system that always comes to mind for me is transit systems just because that's my fascination of the month more than month but uh the system that i think of is definitely transit systems even more than computer systems just because i'm familiar with them and i know how they can work in an optimal state and so i I think a part of it is that they get frustrated when the system isn't doing exactly how it, what it's supposed to, how it's supposed to. Right, right. And that comes off as control issues. Yeah. I disagree with the, ner- the nerd humor one. Oh. I honestly don't think my humor comes from the outcasting, I guess. I think you also were a, a nerdy exception in that you weren't super outcast, from what I know. I would agree with that, yeah. Um, and I, I don't really see humor as a game. It's not... Like, humor's fun, but it's not uh, gamified like that Mm -hmm. for me. Yeah, it's not quite gamified, but I think, I guess, playing into what it was saying about control before, that if a lot of other things are going wrong, like if I'm really stressed out by classes, 
I will tell more half effort jokes that like are still decent jokes, but I didn't put all of the work into them that I could just because I want to like quick dopamine hit of like some people laughed at my joke. Right. So I, I do agree with what they say there. I was, it was pretty accurate for me. Okay, the next one I, I I wholeheartedly agree with was that your nerd has an amazing appetite for information. Yeah, and I love the um the four miles wide and one inch mm-hmm. inch deep uh lake of knowledge. I suppose it's I was I laughed at that because I I think it's pretty true of me at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I like to think that I've done pretty well at retuning myself, so I do spend. More time, I get three inches deep in some areas, <laughs> but I still love to pick up just that little bit of information wherever. How well do you context switch? Well, actually, I, that, that was one of the things that I disagreed with the article on, is that I think a lot of nerds, as they define them, can function pretty well by reorienting which system they're trying to optimize. And if it's the get-work-done-effectively system then they don't multitask because there's a bunch of science out there that says, hey, context switching is expensive for your brain and it's easier just to do deep work. Right. But then that means that they spend six hours reading uh, all the books by Cal Newport before they are willing to do that. (laughs) So I don't try to multitask that much. I don't try to either. It just kind of (laughs) happens. You know, you start off with, you know, okay, I'm going to work on this and then you get a notification on Slack and then you're derailed entirely mm-hmm. <laughs> eventually we'll come back to water tracker or whatever it was but yeah right now you have to deal with uh Z- zach complaining to you about how he doesn't want to rotoscope this hand in front of your face <laughs> okay let's talk about the what i came what i found was the most um relevant to me at least uh the header was your nerd has built an an annoyingly efficient relevancy engine in his head mm-hmm. yeah so this is rude it's super inconsiderate yep but i do it all the time i can't help it it just i started doing it in a lot in cirrus when i would have to read through very long articles to find information that was relevant to my project cool i made sure i found all the context but i ignored the rest entirely it was oh yeah i, I thought i was pretty good at it too <laughs> <laughs> that was an example of uh such a such an engine um yep <laughs> but yeah i agree i think cirrus did tune that because you you want to work quickly and especially there where it's just a big wall of information about about whatever and you can skip around and find it mm-hmm. but that's harder it's harder to skip around in a human conversation to find all the context yeah definitely <laughs> Uh, sometimes i find myself doing it on the podcast uh there have been a few times that i can remember deciding to move on to the next topic before you were even halfway through the one we were on yeah no that's fair every once in a while i will catch myself thinking about like i've been stewing over that mm -hmm, yeah cool joke um most of the show so if there's any times that i seemed attached it was because (laughs) i was practicing for that not any other reason do you have a word like they said everyone all the nerds have a word do you do you know what it is i should say um no, I I bet I could text my significant other and they would tell me. <laughs> um, I'm not entirely sure, but I think mine is interesting. Mm. I don't think I have a word. I think I think if I get to the point where I'm making sounds but looking at something else, like if I'm just going, mm-hmm, mm, ah, mm, 
that's that's probably the signal for me. I think it's funny that yours is interesting because by definition, that's the stuff that isn't to you at least. Yeah, no, it it definitely is. The worst part about it is that I have, I think I picked interesting at some point because I say interesting to actual interesting things. Oh, yeah. So that no one could tell, basically. (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty much done with this article. I recommend if you consider yourself a nerd or if you are in a relationship with a nerd, not even a romantic one, but if you know a nerd and want to know why they're like that, you could read the nerd handbook and get a pretty good idea why they're like that. I do have a note just on those last, the the nerd tweakage chunk is... they're just they're just other humans just talk to them use your words we're all adults here please Mm, i disagree let me put it this way uh if you are committed to someone right and they are a nerd Mm -hmm. and they do these things that bother you but you you like them as a person you want to stay with them in that romantic sense learning to manage their defects as you see them mm-hmm. is in a, like it's not just for nerds it's uh it's part of any relationship no one's perfect so you have to learn to deal with the things you don't like about them i don't think the way to do that is through some like weird jedi mind trick or whatever it's just to say hey i would like to go to the golden gate bridge and they say hmm well i would like to chill for a little bit and you say okay let's chill for a little bit and then we'll go to the bridge and not like a ooh, i've got to play three-dimensional chess and my nerd needs their cave so we gotta sit around and (laughs) you just have a conversation no i i get that i I know what you're saying but i i think you're thinking about it wrong it's not so much that you have to trick them right for both of you to enjoy the experience of going to the golden gate bridge which you want you want your nerd to enjoy the experience Mm -hmm. for them to enjoy the experience more they have to take a half day and you if that's something you know about them then it's something you can just build right into your uh, vacation schedule or whatever it is of course communication is important in any relationship it's not a thing i'm arguing mm-hmm. against i'm just saying that knowing your significant other and how to manage them can be a useful skill and thinking about them as jedi mind tricks is uh not quite accurate i guess right okay yes i think we're both saying the same thing i just maybe interpreted the author's intentions differently that i think it's good to know what some of those triggers are or whatever but that there should also be a layer of conversation along with the uh, assumptions so if you are a nerd and you want to tell me what system you are currently fascinated by uh you can reach me on twitter i'm at the puns guy if you want to tell me why rhetoric is the only moral thing <laughs> you can reach me at not Stephen Barry on Twitter. Just comment in all caps on the YouTube video. <laughs> that also works. I will see that. This is normally where we would launch into our book club, but Zach and I have decided off air that we are not going to do that. Mm-hmm. The The format of little small chunks just wasn't vibing with our schedules and the way that we operate. So uh, we hope that you enjoy however we bring book club to you next form of book and clubbing and it probably won't be phaedrus either if you do have recommendations for whatever other 
book clubs we do, however those um, get run, send me at least, probably also Stephen, a title, an author, and maybe a little synopsis or what you think we would enjoy about it. And we'll get back to you on what the next book club book will be. Until then, goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.